we got three weeks left, counting this week, to look at spiritual gifts. And this morning we're tagging on to where we started last week, so I'll try to get everyone up to speed quickly on what we said. Uh, if you do want to pause and run over and get a cinnamon roll, I won't be offended. Cinnamon rolls sound a little more exciting than prophecy at this moment. Uh, a couple people made a beeline for it. But last week we started looking at the idea of biblical prophecy. And I began the lesson by noting one modern self-proclaimed prophet, Jeremiah Johnson, who made some true predictions in 2020. But he also prophesied that President Trump would win the 2020 election, which of course he didn't. So when all was finalized, he made a public apology. He said, I want to go on record. I was wrong. I'm deeply sorry, and I ask for your forgiveness. I would like to repent for inaccurately prophesying that Donald Trump would win a second term as the President of the United States. So we should applaud him for his honesty. Um, But he would still claim to be a prophet, so that's why we're bringing it up. As well, we noted the immensely popular book, Jesus Calling, which in its various forms had sold over 30 million copies by 2019. The blurb for an early edition for the book said, after many years of writing her own words in her prayer journal, missionary Sarah Young decided to be more attentive to the Savior's voice and began listening for what he was saying. So with pen in hand, she embarked on a journey that forever changed her. And these powerful pages are the words and scriptures Jesus lovingly laid on her heart. And then the devotional will write from the first person, like, watch and see what I will do. As though Jesus, as the book is called, is calling you. What should we make of that? Is Jesus speaking through Sarah Young? And we said last week, what should we think? Well, let's look at what the Bible says about prophecy. And you can see on your page there, your little sheet, kind of what we covered. First, we looked at Exodus 4-6 through and said when Moses did not want to speak to Pharaoh God said I will have Aaron be your prophet. So what is a prophet? Someone who speaks for someone else. They speak their words authoritatively. And so we saw this that being prophetic was not just telling the future. Sometimes we think that way if someone will talk about What may happen? And it happens. We go, oh, that person was very prophetic. Well, that is one way we can use the word. But most generally, prophetic in the Bible means to speak another person's words for them. And Moses and Aaron did that. Uh, Along with that, when someone did not obey, it was as though they were disobeying the Lord. And we said, we looked at how Moses and Aaron spoke to Pharaoh. They said, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. They didn't say, We think that God is of the opinion that maybe you should consider that He might want you to let His people go. They said clearly, Thus says, So this is God speaking, Let my, not Moses' people, Let God's people go. But they could say my because they were speaking for Him. And then we noted, well, this raises the issues. Well, is anyone who says, God spoke to me, should we listen to them? And we saw in Deuteronomy 13 and Deuteronomy 18 that there are requirements and tests, criteria for knowing if this is a true prophet. Deuteronomy 13 dealt with people who have genuine visions. They have signs and wonders and prophecies. Yet, though they're doing all these things, they are encouraging the people to go away from God. And there it says you should reject this one. So even if they're having these things come true, reject them if they're leading you from God. Deuteronomy 18 was the other where it doesn't say whether they were leading you to God or not, but the prophecy they make does not come true. And we saw that the punishment for both, at least the most extreme punishment, was death. And then we looked at how God spread the Spirit that he gave to Moses, to others in Israel, and 70 of them prophesied. And then somehow, two men continued to prophesy, and Joshua said, Moses, tell him to stop. And what did Moses say in response? Some of you were here. If everybody prophesied, that'd be a great Yeah, I wish everyone was prophesying. I don't want them to stop. I wish all people could do this. And then that was picked up in Joel 2, and then Acts 2 at Pentecost. And I wrapped up our time by, as Sarah said, throwing a bomb in the room and walking away. 
I referred to a document that was put out literally just a couple weeks ago, April 29th this year, on a website entitled Prophetic Standards. Um, so I'm going to say a few things they say, and today we're going to talk about this. They say, this is from their website, Our purpose is to help provide scriptural guidelines for the operation of the gift of prophecy and the functioning of the ministry of the prophet, while at the same time affirming the importance of these gifts and ministries. We recognize that prophets do not serve as spiritual fortune tellers or prognosticators, nor is their role to satisfy our curiosity about the future or reveal abstract information. God's purpose in prophecy is redemptive, calling for repentance, giving supernatural guidance, bringing comfort, deliverance, restoration, and glorifying Jesus as Lord. Then they say, we recognize that due to the nature of prophetic ministry, some prophetic words can be submitted for evaluation before they are delivered, while others will be evaluated after they are delivered. But in all situations, those claiming to speak for God should welcome the godly evaluation of their prophecies. Let me just say one thing so far. What they just said is maybe a really good thing for these churches today. And as they're trying to rein in people who are making prophecies that don't come true, this would probably be better than not doing that. But there's nothing like that in the Old Testament. Moses and Aaron never said, okay, I think this is what we got from God. Let's go to the other Israelite leaders and we'll kind of confirm this together. We never read that of any of the prophets. So while that might be a good, good idea for today, that's not what the Bible is talking about when it talks about prophecy. Uh, they go on and say, We reject the notion that a contemporary prophetic word is on the same level of inspiration or authority of Scripture, or that God always speaks inerrantly through prophets today, since the Bible says we only know in part and prophesy in part. It is the written word alone that can lay claim to being the word of God. And on that, we should say we're glad they're admitting that. But they then say, prophecies at best are a word from the Lord to be tested by the word of God. Again, while I'm glad these people are saying God's word is the final authority, what they're claiming as prophecy is not what the Bible is claiming for prophecy. The Bible never says, this is what I think the Lord is saying. The, prof the prophets in the Bible say, thus saith the Lord, that this is equal to all words of the Lord. So they get close to ending, and in their ending they say, we therefore, no, no, finally, we, while we believe in holding prophetic prophets accountable for their words in accordance with the scriptures, we do not believe that a sincere prophet who delivers an inaccurate message is therefore a false prophet. Instead, as Jesus explained, and as the Old Testament emphasized, false prophets are wolves in sheep's clothing, in contrast to true believers who might speak inaccurately. Thus, a false prophet is someone who operates under a false spirit, masquerading as the Holy Spirit. And then they gave three levels. There's a believer who gives an inaccurate prophecy, in which they acknowledge they should acknowledge their error. Second, a believer who consistently prophesies inaccurately, in which they should recognize they're not a prophet. And third, a false prophet who they recognize as a false believer and should be called to repent and be saved. All right, so that was a long review of last week to set up. So what does the New Testament say about prophecy? And really, we need to consider this because turn to 1 Corinthians 14. This is where we're working through. And we're going to see several verses that we need to come to grips with. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Well, that's a command. We should desire to prophesy. Or look at chapter 14, verse 39. It says, So my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Alright, well what are we supposed to make of that? What does it look like for us to earnestly desire to prophesy? I'll just read, we don't have to turn there. First Thessalonians five, nineteen through twenty one that says, Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Now, let's just admit from the start, we're not functioning the way the church was in Corinth. Uh, unless I'm missing something. No one, since I've been here, has said, I'm speaking as a prophet. Though if you want to now, go ahead. <laughs> so, 
all of us are not being prophetic. And is less, and maybe you don't want to say, but unless I'm unaware, no one in our church speaks in tongues. If you do in private prayer language. Okay, that's the issue we'll be having talking about next week. But here he says these things are going on. So what happened from the time of Corinth to today? Are we being disobedient to the Spirit of God? Should we be all trying to prophesy? Well, these are serious. So Any time God commands us to do something, we should seek to do it. Uh, and in this, we should recognize that godly Christians look at these things differently. Uh, there are men who I greatly respect. Wayne Grudem, I have his systematic theology in my office. I encourage people to read it. He would hold to some of the things that I would disagree with. John Piper would be another one. Uh, even as I understand it, Keith and I were talking this week, I think we would say some of these things differently, and I'll try to point that out, because um, you may not agree with me when we get to the end. But as best as I could, and the time I had, I studied this, and will try to present what I believe the Bible is teaching. Um, all of this, though, I do think we need to recognize that sometimes we just speak past each other. Uh, so you may have friends who say, well, healings still occur today. And to which I would say, okay, well, what do you mean? Do, if they mean that people pray and God still works miraculously and things happen that doctors can't explain, then I'd say, yes, I believe that happens and I pray for that. If they mean that there are people going around and Jerry is immobilized and I touch him in the name of Jesus and he gets up and walks, I'd say, we have not seen evidence of that in a long time. And the ministries that claim that do not have 100% of that even. They won't even say oh, this happens 100% of the time. And that is different than what's in the New Testament. And that's, I think, often the big difference is people say, well, yeah, these things still exist. But then you go, well, do they look like what's here? They go, well, no, it's just slightly different than there. Like, well, I'm trying to lead myself in this church to follow what's going on here. So maybe some of this other stuff is real. Maybe not. But is it based on what Scripture says? So look, the diving into this, this is John Piper a man I respect a lot, but this is what he says about prophecy. He says that he prays, God, while I'm preaching, would you so anoint me with the gift to say things agreeable to the Scriptures and subject to the Scriptures that are not in my manuscript necessarily or in my head as I walk into the pulpit, nor thought of ahead of time, which would come to my mind, which would pierce in an extraordinary way some heart so that 1 Corinthians 14.25 happens when it says, The secrets of the heart are disclosed, and so, falling on their face, they will worship God and declare that God is really among them. And that's what he says he means by prophecy. Well, that's great. And I pray for similar things. I pray that as I'm preaching, God would speak through me. Maybe I didn't even think of saying something, but God would give me words to say that I didn't even write. But that's not what the Old Testament is talking about when it talks about prophecy because i don't say those things and say god just told me that you should do this and i never say i in place of god and that's what the old testament is talking about so while i respect john piper i think he's using the word prophecy in a different sense and people have agreed with this for a long time we talked a few weeks ago about um charles spurgeon preaching and pointing out very specific things and people realizing those are true does god still cause that to happen I would say yes. And yet I would use words like that God impresses upon us. Or God gives us insights. I just wouldn't call that prophecy. So maybe we're just having word semantics. But diving into this, let's look at what the New Testament says about prophecy. Uh, we'll turn to Ephesians 2.20. Jerry, could you turn there for us? Corbin, could you turn to 1 Corinthians 14? I'm going to pass out a lot of verses here. 14.37. Bianca, 2 Thessalonians 3, 14. Elaine, 1 Corinthians 14, 30. Arnold, Acts 11, 27 through 30. Celeste, Acts 21, 10 through 11. Katie, 2 Timothy 2, 15. Uh, so, as we go through these, are we trying to defend what we believe prophecy is? Or, I mean, we're going to we're trying to say what the New Testament is saying about prophecy. So if we were to have a definition of prophecy, what, what are we working with here? 
I would say prophecy is someone being given a clear revelation from the Lord in which they are then speaking under the authority of the saying, I am speaking for the Lord that this is true. And we're going to get to that because some people, and I think Keith would argue this, I'm not trying to caricature him, he would say, well, what I'm doing now is somewhat prophetic because I'm speaking God's word. Well, on one level that's true, From God, of course, but telling what's going to happen in the future. So it's not always... Yes, it's, yes, it's not always foretelling. So that, I think we need to be clear on that because some of what Moses and Aaron did was not foretelling. Like when they say, thus saith the Lord, let my people go. That's just God told us to tell you this. Or now often in that, the prophets, as you look at like the prophetic books, will say, and if you don't do this, these punishments will happen. There, that's foretelling. But it's kind of a mix, and it's not always that case. And, 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 the, and the other the people that you read about at the very beginning, they would say prophecy is still happening because the Bible says we see in part, we know in part. Yeah, and we prophesy in part. So, so they would say, we're going to get to this, well, we still prophesy, but that's lowercase p. It's not the same as kind of canonical of, so that it should be in Scripture prophecy. Yes, sir. Yeah, that was my question. Not all prophecy is scripture. I mean, there are some prophecies that we don't have recorded. Yeah. And there are some that seem to be a little more personal. Well, I guess I don't know. But just. Well, the question we'll get to on that, though, is they, clearly there were prophecies given in the past that aren't in scripture. I mean, Samuel was with a band of prophets. We'll look at Philip uh, in Acts, who had four daughters who were prophets. We don't have anything written by them, but. Obviously, it's prophets. They give prophecies. That's what you do. But what I would say is just because they aren't in Scripture doesn't mean they weren't true. And what they're saying today is, well, you could be a modern prophet and say things that are untrue every once in a while. Well, one more question, then let's start going through because hopefully we'll answer as we go through. Go ahead, Arnold. So that would be a common argument by people that I generally agree with, but I don't agree with that statement because I don't think all prophecy is scripture. Because the, yeah, so that they will often claim that. Well, if you're saying there's prophecy today, then you're saying the Bible should have stuff added to it, and I don't think we should say that personally. Yeah, because we know there were prophets in the Bible who we don't have their words, so not every prophecy was intended to go in the Bible. Yes, Arnold. So you said so speaking for God, speaking something that's going to happen in the future, and the other one is speaking God's word. So I would say prophecy is speaking for God, saying God's word that were clearly revealed to you, not me studying and going and declaring God's word. So in that, speaking God's word might be telling you judgment, might be revealing God's character, or it might be foretelling, telling the future. So but it's not limited to that. So we're not saying that. If we quote scripture, that's not prophecy. Well, so that would be a common thinking. I think Keith would say that. And that's fine. I just don't want to say that personally. <laughs> but if you end up this morning and you take that view, I think that's, that's a... one of the definitions of prophecy? Well, see, I would just make a distinction. I would say... Well, okay, since you're asking this question, look down at 1 Corinthians 14. Let's see if I... Uh, do, 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 do. Not identical to preaching. Mm-hmm. This, I'm trying to look in these verses because basically someone is... It's where they're prophesying and someone gets a new revelation from the Lord and they speak. Thirty, Maybe 30? Yeah, thank you, Elena. I think you said that. So, 29 and 30, 1 Corinthians 14. Let two or three prophets speak... And let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. So it seems to me what that verse is saying is prophets are being given direct... Like we're sitting here and right now Sarah says, God just told me. That's different, I think, than saying, you know, this last week, my study, I was going, and as I read this, read commentaries, I'm led to believe that God says this. That's really different in my mind. But... Some people, 
would say, but it's both God's word. So they're both prophecy. Okay, that's fine. Because I think what they're trying to say is, look, I don't want to neglect this commands us. We already looked at the beginning. 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Earnestly desire to prophesy. We should desire that. So what we want, I think this is what Keith would say, is we should all want to be speaking God's word to one another. We should all want to be prophesying. Well, I'm not trying to caricature Keith, and you can ask him his view. He might, he'll probably explain it better than I am for him. I'd say, yes, we all want to speak God's word to one another, but I just think that's distinctly different than being prophetic in the way the Bible talks about that. And the reason I think it's important is in people today, like Jeremiah Johnson, who I think probably in many ways is a godly man, is saying, I'm speaking for the Lord and President Trump's going to win. Well, then when he's wrong, that either means Jeremiah Johnson isn't hearing from the Lord or God is not speaking clearly. Um, I'd rather lean towards the first. But I'd rather just say, that's not happening. But that being said, let's walk through some of what the New Testament says. Uh, Ephesians 2.20. Did you have that, Jerry? Yes. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Uh, I might have had you... I might have wanted verse 19. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. What is the household of God built on? Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Now, if you're thinking chronologically about the Bible, who would we typically say comes first? Prophets or apostles? Prophets. Prophets. But here he switches the order, and I think he's doing that because he's saying these are New Testament prophets. That what the church of God was built on is apostles and New Testament prophets. Now, he's not denying Old Testament prophets. He's just saying now, all, and all of this is on the cornerstone, Jesus. Now, the issue here is how often, if done correctly, is the foundation laid? Once. And so I would argue, based off Ephesians 2.20, the foundation that the church needs was through the apostles who everyone, for the most part, agrees has ceased, at least in the capital P, Apostle. Um, And so, well, what about prophets? Well, I would say, I'm going to argue, that they have, that gift has ceased. Um, Again, uh, let's see, I have some various verses here. 1 Corinthians 14, 30, we talked about that. Um, Acts 11, 27, who had that? All right, Carnal, would you read that? 30. Now, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them, named Agabus, stood up and were told by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers. Okay, so here, Agabus came down with prophets. So there was a group of prophets. Um, or Acts 21, 8 through 11. I think I think I put the wrong thing on the page. Whoever has that? Yes, sorry about that. Uh, so here we have a specific prophecy of Agabus, and we also saw that Philip had these four daughters. So again, there's this group of prophets. Um, and yet, as we were making the point earlier, and Sarah kind of pointed it out, that not every prophecy was intended to be in Scripture. So I would want to start this discussion with pointing out that the apostles and prophets were the foundation of the church. But we also see that Second, like the Old Testament, the apostles see their words to be speaking God's word and carry God's authority. 1 Corinthians 14, 37. Who had that? Now, 
All right, thank you, Corbin. If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. All right, and I've used this verse a lot. If I ever say that to you, you should start calling a meeting for the church to remove me from being pastor. I can never say to you, well, if you agree with me, then you're a child of God. But if you don't agree with me, then you're a heretic. The Apostle Paul can say that, and he can say that to the prophets. I think Paul is an apostle and a prophet. But what are they saying? They're basically saying, like the Old Testament prophets, we can say, this is what God said. I know it was revealed. Or 2 Thessalonians 3.14. Now again, very clear, they should obey what we are writing. They're believing that they are writing from the Lord. So, here, this is where we get into that discussion. Well, is what I'm doing, is this prophecy? I'm teaching God's Word. So I'm telling forth God's Word. That's what prophets do. Well, again, that's where I'm going to make a distinction. We looked at 1 Corinthians 14.30. They're given a revelation directly from God. Um, Agabus, how did he get that prophecy of Paul being bound? Well, it wasn't because he was studying. He got a direct revelation from God that that would happen. We saw that in Acts 11, 21. Um, Or 2 Timothy, and and that's different because what does Paul instruct Timothy? 2 Timothy 2.15. Do your, did I have someone turn there? All right. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, Rightly handling the word of truth. Now, rightly handling the word of truth implies that Timothy and I, and anyone, any Christian really, has work to do. Moses and Aaron did not have work to do in delivering the prophecies of God, except saying them. That was the work they had to do. They didn't have to say, well, how should we declare this? Well, God told them how to declare it. So I would draw a distinction though not all do, that's fine, between preaching and prophecy. Is some preaching prophetic? Yes. But not all preaching would I draw an equal sign to prophecy. All right, New Testament prophecies are also called to be tested. And this is what I mentioned earlier, that some people would say, well, in the New Testament prophecy, where there's a capital P, like, from the Lord, always right, and then there's lowercase p, Prophecy, capital P prophecy, that's canonical, that's scripture, always accurately received and transmitted. Lowercase p is also accurate. The issue is that the reception and transmission is where the issue is. So they never say lowercase prophecy is wrong. We have just misunderstood it. And that's kind of what prophetic standards say. We reject the notion that a contemporary prophetic word is on the same level or inspiration or authority as Scripture, or that God always speaks inerrantly through prophets today, since the Bible says we only know in part and prophecy, prophesy in part. Prophecies are at best a word from the Lord to be tested by the Word of God. So we should applaud them that they are recognizing that they should not be saying today, thus saith the Lord, but we should evaluate this. Are New Testament prophecies to be judged? Or are just the prophecies? Because that's what they'll often say. Well, the, now in the Old Testament, the prophets were judged. Now we determine and discern the prophecies, not the prophets. Um, 1 Corinthians 14.29. Who has that? No one has that? Someone in 1 Corinthians 14? All right. Thank you, Christine. I don't have to turn Let two or three prophets speak and let the other weigh what is said. Uh, so here they go. We'll see. Um, we're weighing whether this prophecy is true or not. Um, or there's another verse in there. First Thessalonians 5, 20 through 21 is kind of like testing. Are we testing it? And then along with this, and this is kind of going to get to the core of their argument, is two main issues. And this is the back on your little sheet if you want to be following along. First, in Acts 21.4, does Paul disobey a prophecy? So we're going to turn over to Acts. We're going to be in Acts 21 for a little bit. Sarah, could you read Acts 21.4 when you 
get there. All right, now does Paul go on to Jerusalem? He does. So is Paul sinning? Or maybe they miss, maybe the prophecy is a little something. Because Paul will let her say the Spirit's compelling him to go. Or, same chapter we read earlier, Acts 21, where Agabus said, What did Agabus say would happen? Anyone remember what we read? He'd be bound and. Turned over to Gentiles. But if you go and you read what happens, look down Acts 21, verse 30 to 33. Stan, could you read that for us? Acts 21, 30 to 33. And all the city was aroused, and the people rushed together, and taking hold of Paul, they dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors were shut. And while they were seeking to kill him, a report came up to the commander of the Roman court that all Jerusalem was in confusion and at once he took along some soldiers and centurions and ran down to them and when they saw the commander and the soldiers they stopped beating Paul How far you one more verse oh, 33, okay. <clears throat> then the commander came up and took hold of him and ordered him to be bound with two chains and he began asking who is who he was and what yeah, Alright, so who bound Paul? Oh, well, several instances there. Well, okay, but who actually bound Paul? The Roman soldiers. Roman soldiers. Well, wait, what did Agabus say? Didn't Agabus say that the Jews would deliver Paul? So Agabus was wrong. Well, I don't think so. But that, that's what the argument is being made is look, Agabus said. The Jews are going to bind Paul, and then they're going to hand Paul over. And if you look, actually the Romans bound Paul. So maybe Agabus was wrong. Well, in response, first I would just want to say clearly, nowhere are we told what is being said. So these people are arguing, well, there's this capital P prophecy, lower P prophecy. But we're not told this. This has kind of had to be assumed from the text. And it's based on these stories. And while this could be the case, I think it's rather odd that God would not give us instructions since Deuteronomy 13 and 18 had very clear instructions about what to do when a prophecy is wrong. It doesn't then say, but now you're going to have some kind of squishy prophecies that you've got to figure out. As well, we are told to test the prophets. Uh, there are false prophets coming and that we shouldn't believe every prophet. So how are we supposed to determine who a true and false prophet is, if sometimes they're not getting it right. Well, was this the right prophecy you're giving me, or is this the incorrect one? And since prophets are profounding, propounding a revelation from God and not their study of the Word of God, shouldn't we expect 100% accuracy? I, I would think so. Um, you know, that's the difference. If I'm up here and I make a mistake, which I often do, tongue slip, read my notes wrong, you don't go, well, God's wrong. You go, well, Pastor Jeremy just misspoke. Or he, he, he did not understand that correctly when he studied it. But prophets are supposed to be 100, at least if we go off the Old Testament definition, 100% accurate. Um, as well, what about these stories here? Well, jumping into this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's the two ultimate testament tests for testing prophets, character and truthfulness. And I would say what they do is they emphasize the Deuteronomy 13, character. Okay, well, if their character is bad, they're not false prophets. But they kind of drop the Deuteronomy 18 requirement of it has to be accurate. But I don't see anywhere in Scripture that says we should drop the Deuteronomy 18 requirement. And I don't think, and I'm going to argue, Agabus doesn't think, sorry, Paul doesn't think Agabus was wrong. Turn to Acts 28.17. Because here, Paul is recounting what happened. Acts 28, 17. Sarah, have you read? I have. Okay. Uh, John, could you read Acts 28, 17 for us? This is Paul talking. 
After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews, and when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. So what did Paul say happened to him? He was delivered to the Romans. Now, does Paul not understand history either? Well, part of this gets to the nature of prophecy. Sometimes prophecy is very direct. Book of Micah, chapter 5. He will be born in Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Talking about Jesus, who's going to be born in Bethlehem. That's pretty direct. However, sometimes prophecy is more symbolic. In in Isaiah 40, talking about how when John the Baptist comes, the forerunner comes, the mountains will be made low, the valleys will be filled up, the roads will be made straight. Well, when John the Baptist came, was Mount Zion leveled off? Was every valley in Israel made so there was no valley? No. But was that prophecy wrong? Why, why, why was it not wrong? It, it didn't happen. Yes, yes. Some prophecies are symbolic. And did basically Paul get delivered over from the Jews and did he get bound? Yes. So if you're going to say that Agabus was wrong, I think you have to also say like, well, Isaiah 40 was wrong because those were, that didn't happen. But prophecy has both. Sometimes it does have this, Bethlehem, Bethlehem. Other times it has the eh, symbols. Mountains are going to get lowered. What is that saying? It's saying the path to God is going to be made clear and straight. That's what Isaiah 40 is talking about. And did that happen through John the Baptist? Yes, it did. It was fulfilled. So sometimes I think we're just misunderstanding the nature of prophetic fulfillment. Now, as for what about Acts 21.4? The people are saying, in the Spirit, Paul don't go to Jerusalem. And Paul goes. So it seems like the options are, well, Paul either just disobeyed or they were wrong. Because Paul says, in the Spirit, I should go. Well, I think there's another option. And that is that we should realize the prophecy could be accurate and the people could misapply it. There's nothing that says prophecy is always rightly applied. Does God warn it, or the God does warn us, First Timothy, that those who desire to lead a godly life will be persecuted. So does that mean that I should then tell you, so don't be faithful in your workplace because you might be persecuted? Well, no, that would be my wrong application of the prophecy. So could God have told, and I think he did, the Jews and told the Jews, hey, warn Paul when he goes to Jerusalem, he's going to be persecuted. Yes, but was the implication that then say, don't go? I would say no. Well, why would God tell Paul or why would he tell us in 1 Timothy that we're going to be persecuted if we're not to avoid it? So you're ready when it comes. Exactly. You know, your expectations sets the whole enjoyment of something. If you go in, you've all probably had this happen. Someone says, this is the funniest movie ever. It's the best. And they go on and on. It better be super funny or you're going to sit there and go, it wasn't that great. (laughs) Or if they tell you, "Eh, it's okay, and you're not expecting much, but someone else in your family wants to watch it, all of a sudden you might like it a lot because you're just kind of expecting, I'm just going to be here to be next to them. And your expectations were low. So God reveals to Paul through the Jews who were warning him, reveals to Paul directly, and then reveals to us, persecution's coming, so they'll be ready. So I don't, I would say no, I don't think you can find any example in the Bible where prophecies were wrong. That they misunderstood them. And so what we need to do is hear a word, maybe from the Lord, that we have to judge. And yet those are the type of things that have to be said. So any questions or thoughts on that? We're really getting in the weeds here, but this is where it goes when you have these discussions. Because kind of what I'm hearing is that there is a human element to prophecy that makes it that could make it sound wrong yeah and so they would be clear god's revelation god's prophecy is always true we in our understanding it or transmitting it might mess it up and yet then how do we know that jeremiah in his transmission didn't mess it up or moses and aaron and i would say because Yeah, so they would, I think they would say, well, 
the idea what God revealed was true, Agabus just misapplied it, or we have to test it and see. But I would say, no, Agabus actually did prophesy correctly. It was just symbolic, not literal. Well, I think a good example is Jonah, who was given a word, and he went and prophesied what he thought was right. And he went back and waited for the city to be destroyed, and it never happened. And it's like, hey, God, why did you have me say all this? Because I wanted to watch the city get destroyed. <laughs> Yeah. All right, well, that still leads us with, okay, so what do we do with these verses that tell us to prophesy? <laughs> so, our friends who are charismatic are saying, well, we should still prophesy. And they're saying, the ones who are trying to be careful, we need things like prophetic standards. We need to realize capital P, lowercase p, and I've explained why I don't think that's accurate. You have the view of Keith. Well, yes, we're still doing this, but we're doing it through... Teaching God's Word, which I think is a very valid, very common understanding. But I would make a different argument, and you can, y'all are smart, y'all can figure out what you think is the best way to understand it. And that is, God sometimes speaks things that need to be understood within that context. So, for example, in Luke 21 4, Jesus tells the disciples they are not to prepare words if they are arrested, but when they go on trial, the Holy Spirit will tell them what to say. Was that telling Christians for all time forever, you should never prepare for what you're going to say because God will just speak to you at that time? I would argue no. I would say that was the New Testament church and we even see that in the Acts of the Apostles because they say, how do these men, how are they even able to say these things? I think that was a direct thing and we don't say, well, that applies to us today. Or Luke chapter 9, verse 3 tells them to go out and not take a bag on their missionary journey. And some people will say, look, the Bible is commanding us to sell everything, go out and be poor. But then, later in Luke twenty-two thirty-six, he tells them now to take a bag and take a knapsack. So there were different contexts in which commands were given. And we need to say, is this written to us? Now, in regards to the prophecy, I think we should realize the New Testament believers lived before the completion of the Bible, and they also lived with the expectation that Jesus could return any day, which I think we should all have. And I don't believe, 1 Corinthians 13, before that, where it says when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. That means the Scripture. I think that's Jesus returning. But that also doesn't say, and these will always stay the same till Jesus returns. I think prophecy slowly diminished. One man, Tom Schreiner, says it this way. Perhaps the gift of prophecy existed for a few hundred years in the early church, since it took some time for the church to agree upon the settled canon of Scripture. We can't then fix a definite date for the cessation of prophecy. The gift slowly and gradually faded away while the New Testament canon was being settled and later widely accepted. The same could possibly be said for some of the other gifts as well. Perhaps, it is hard to be certain, they functioned for some time as the church transitioned to a stage where the canonical scriptures took place. Thus, I don't think God was deceiving them, but it wouldn't have made sense to say, live with the expectation that Jesus could come any day, but really there's going to be a couple thousands more years, and then you're going to have this thing called the New Testament, and so you're prophesying for now. Well, that would kind of take away the, like, Jesus could come at any day mindset that we should all live with so instead i think he had them and has us live with this so that we they and we would know any day the lord could return and so what did they have they had in first corinthians letters coming in and god also gave them prophets to speak in the context where they did not have yet the full new testament but now we have all that so we don't still need those small case peas. So I would say, what, is the, what do these verses mean to us? I think we look back and thank God for His provision for those churches and we realize this was for a unique time in the church and now we have all we need from God. So, that being said, I think we should realize God still does speak. Last verse and then we'll make some comments on the things I opened up with. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 will be our last verse for today. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, 
No, wait, wait. The Holy Spirit, what? <laughs> Says. Says. Yeah. What? We're getting a little grammatical here. What tense is that? <clears throat> Present tense. Wait. Yeah. But isn't he quoting Psalm 95? <clears throat> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I, I thought God said that way back in the Old Testament. Well, yes. But God still speaks today. Don't hear anything I'm saying to say, well, all we do is listen to a closed word from the Lord. We just listen to past. God still speaks. He now speaks through His Word. I would just say that's different than prophecy. Uh, so let's kind of wrap up some loose ends. So what should we think of people like Jeremiah Johnson and other people who are modern-day prophets? Well, I don't think they should call themselves prophets. And I definitely think if they make a prophecy and it doesn't come true, they should say, I'm not a prophet. I think they should just, psh, done. They don't feel that way. I can't stop them. They're not my church. But I think that's an unhelpful way to speak. I think it's confusing. As for Sarah Young and Jesus Calling, I would just say her book sows confusion. If you have Jesus Calling, it's not heretical probably in what it says. But I don't think she should say she's speaking for Jesus. If she wants to write that book, I think she should just take away all the I's and me's and just put he. He says to you, okay, great. Just don't say that you're speaking for him. Uh, as well, I think it's interesting to note a lot of people who speak for Jesus sound a lot different than the Bible. Their message doesn't often talk about the cross or repentance. It's all about peace and affirmation and love, which are in the Bible. I'm not denying that. But those aren't like, if you read through the Bible, you hear those, use musical analogy, you hear those notes, but you hear some other notes. And a lot of these modern things claiming to speak for Jesus only sound notes of peace and wellness and his presence being with you, which again are true. But if it's Jesus speaking, I think he'd still speak like he did in Scripture. Uh, as well. No, that's all I'm going to say. All right. So I'm going to stop. Done. That was the end of the word from Jeremy. So, I left you five minutes to throw the tomatoes, ask questions, call me a heretic. Oh, definitively, you would say that prophecy, the way the Bible, the Old Testament speaks of it, and even the New Testament does not exist today. Revelation talks about men coming. I believe it will be prophets. So, I would say we should be extremely extremely careful and probably functionally i would almost say no one today is prophet i'm open but like extremely like small tiny level of openness <laughs> extremely small and everything they say would need to come true and it should match scripture 100 percent. so that's what i would that would be the big piece I would say all prophecy is big P prophecy. I'd say there's no way in Scripture you can find small P prophecy. I think people want to find that because they want to believe prophecy is still occurring today. But Prophecy is always for, for others, not just the prophet for themselves. It's always for to be spoken to others. That's a question. I'm just kind of thinking through. I think, well... I think, I think in Acts, Paul's told by the Spirit he'll be persecuted in Jerusalem. I'd have to look. I'd say generally that is the case. Okay, because then my second question, and maybe I'll do this next week, <laughs> is, yeah, the difference, the difference between prophecy, like as a spiritual gift, that would mean that not everybody has it, versus just the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Yeah. So I, in all this, I'm not opposed... I mean, let's say we're, you're sitting here and or you're talking to someone, you really feel burdened and you say something like, hey, I was listening to you. Are you struggling with this? And they say, yes. I have no problem saying the Holy Spirit led you to say that. The only difference is I'm not calling that prophecy. Prophecy says this is God speaking through me to you. I still think the Holy Spirit is active today and impresses people with things and gives them things to say. They just shouldn't say, God's telling me to tell you this. Yeah, I think it's more questions. Is this going on in your life? And some, wow, how did you know that? Well, I, think, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, I think the Spirit of the Lord led me to say that. 
But I'm putting in front of that, I think. I'm not saying, thus saith the Lord. So, I mean, these are my views. You should study scripture yourself. I could be wrong. So what do you think of people when they say, well, God spoke to me, so I need to share this with you. And then I, my mom likes to put this point on. She'll say, well, God spoke to you. Why didn't God speak to me if it's the same God? So, illustration, what would you say to that? If someone's like, God spoke to me, and I'm supposed to say these words. But... Yeah, I guess I'm always, I say I have red flags or yellow flags or lots of colored flags go up when people say stuff like that. Well, I just want the context to be like, how well are you praying about this? How much scripture were you reading when God spoke this to you? Because it's kind of like the Holy Spirit thing to say like, when somebody says, God spoke to me and told me to tell you this, it, it does. It sits, it sits weird with me versus the whole, I feel like the Holy Spirit like, Here's a funny example my mom likes to share is that when she was, back in the day when she was dating, um, uh, she had a lot of men who said, oh, God told me I'm supposed to marry him. And then she would say, well, God didn't tell me. So. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, so on that, I think we should realize maybe these people mean it manipulatively or not. But there is a lot of, and I think this is why a lot of this is important, is there is a lot of spiritual manipulation in the world, um, sadly. People even saying, God told me, God told me, I mean, this is, I'm not making this up. God told me he wants me to have a $60 million plane. Not me, but a person said that like five, ten years ago. And y'all should give. Well, I mean, if you believe that person is speaking for God, and you don't give the money for the plane, then what are you doing? You're sinning. Because <laughs> God said he needs to have the plane. But is that in line with Scripture? Why would God reveal that? It seems very materialistic. Lots of other things. So uh, let's just give an example. Let's just say one of you feels, you know, you're studying whatever, and you, God is calling me to go be a missionary. I have no problem with you saying that. I would just ask questions. So let's use me. If I say I feel called to be a missionary, well, it should never be done in a way that causes me to go against what God has already called me to do i.e. being a husband, being a dad. If I have to deny those callings to do this new thing God's calling me to do, it will never cause me to sin against the things I know he's called me to do already. So if someone's saying, I really feel the Lord's leading me to do this, I'd probably say, well, great, let's think about that. Let's pray about that. And on that, I would say, like the prophetic standards people, open that up to other people. Be willing to say, help me understand is this from the Lord. But I would call that an impression, not a prophecy. And maybe all this is just word semantics. Maybe they're just meaning the exact same thing. They just want to call it prophecy. But I just think it's a lot easier to spiritually manipulate people when you're saying, I'm speaking for the Lord versus I think this is where the Lord is leading me. So I would say, let's just say Keith and I are praying. We go, we have been praying and studying scripture and we feel led by the Lord that our church should start a ministry to fill in the blank. I have no problem speaking that way, but that's us saying we think this is where we're going, not if y'all don't start giving money to this, you're sinning. So, any other comments or questions? Heavenly manna came down, and it's over there in round cinnamon form, so if you'd like some, go and enjoy, and have a few minutes before our main service. <laughs>